turn to second samuel chapter 23 verses 20 and 21 second samuel chapter 23 20 and 21 verses thank you our heavenly father we are so grateful to you what you, for what you have done for us lord when we were wildest in our sin you sent your son seeking us to redeem us you allowed him to be dying on the cross of calvary on our sake lord This morning we are so grateful to you for what you have done. Because we can come to the throne of grace and call you above father. Amen. This morning we seek your guidance Lord. Talk to our hearts Lord. Talk deep into our lives this morning. We want to hear from you. The preacher and the audience together we pray will be yielding to your voice this morning. help us to be doers of your word and not just be simply hearers only lord help us to be humbling ourselves before the word that we as being ministered we pray that your spirit will take control of every word that is being spoken by your servant this morning and that you and you alone will be glorified thank you father in the name of jesus we pray please be seated today is uh, resurrection sunday and for us every day is a resurrection day because we ex- we are people who experience the power of resurrection we live by the power of resurrection because we are the people who experience the power and the possibilities of the resurrection of our lord this morning i have titled my message killing the lion in a pit on a snowy day killing the lion in a pit on a snowy day what a month or so ago in one of the saturday evening message uh, meetings in malayalam i kind of started to give you a brief introduction to this message and the lord was talking to me ever since in multiple ways quite deeply and quite personally we read about 
a young man by name Benaiah. And I'm going to read what was read earlier from another translation, the common English translation. It goes like this. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzil. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two of Moab's mightiest warriors. Another time, he chased a lion into a pit. Then, despite the snow and the slippery ground, he caught the lion and killed it. He is a mighty warrior. But he is mentioned with the introduction of his family. His father was Jehoiada. Jehoiada means the one who has the knowledge of Jehovah. The one known of God. The one who knows that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 A godly man. Benaiah means the son of the Lord. God's son. But you might think that he being a warrior should belong to the tribe of Judah. But he is not. He was from a Levite family. Because Jehovah was a priest. We read that in First Chronicles chapter 27 verse 5. I don't have the time to go on to all the uh, references. But I will definitely want to read a few. And I'm hoping that somebody will help me as I read them. So the account we read about is about a man named Benaiah. Who chased a lion into a pit. On a snowy day. And killed it. You know it is so easy for us to read. These verses. From the confines. And the comfortable seats. Of our home and our church. And totally miss the monumental message. That is hidden in these words. Have you ever heard of. Anyone chasing a lion? I'm not talking about chasing a lion in Barnum and Bailey Circus. And I, I think the younger generation don't even know what I'm talking about because they don't have that anymore. Do you know why we miss the excitement in those passages? Because whenever we hear somebody chasing and killing a lion, we think of the African safari. Where somebody is traveling or going on a Land Rover with his rifle in his hand and boom, boom. Animals are killed, deers are killed. And that is not the situation here. The scripture describes this as a, as a formidable, formidable act of valor performed by a human. You know why? Because normal people do not chase lions. They run away from the lion. They don't run after them. But lion chasers are wired 
differently. For most of us, the only lions that we have seen and have come closely are the stuffed ones, the caged ones, or the fenced ones. One day, out of the corner of his eyes, Benaiah sees something moving in the ground or crawling in his neighborhood. I don't know how far away he saw it. This is my imagination, okay? Benaiah's vision is obscured by the falling snow also. As he is watching the beast walking through the snow, something happens. He comes to a comfortable distance for them to see each other and the animal's eyes lock with Benaiah's eyes. You know what happens then. Pupils dilate. Muscles clench. Hearts raise. The usual story is that the man runs away with all the energy that he can have. Like a scaredy cat and the lion chases him. Yes or no? Before long, the king of the beasts eats manwich for his lunch. That is the usual story. But not in this story. Here just the opposite happens. The lion turns tail and starts to run and Benaiah gives a chase. You know, lions can run up to 35 miles an hour. And in one leap, they can reach up to 30 feet. Benaiah doesn't stand a chance. But that doesn't stop him from chasing this lion. And then it happens. A little unexpectedly, he sees the ground under the feet of this beast moving and boom. What happened? The lion goes into a pit. This almost 500 pound beast is now in a pit. And if it was me who was chasing the lion, I would say, thank you, Jesus. You answered my prayer and put this beast in this pit. So I don't have you answered my prayer. Not Benaiah. Normal people will walk away at that point, knowing that it went slid into the pit. Human wisdom dictates that the lion is all the more powerful in that pit, in the confines, in the limited area of that pit. And Benaiah all the more weaker, because if, if he fell into the pit, he will have no way to escape. But now the most unthinkable happens. Benaiah pauses for a moment, takes a deep breath, and dashes straight into the pit. And you don't see him for some time. Absolute silence for some time. 
then you start hearing noises you hear thunderous roars and screams and then an absolute silence after that as you watch closely through the fog of that snowy day you see the shadow of a man crawling out of that pit his body has many wounds and scratches he's dripping with blood from his body and he is visibly in pain barely he's able to move he's breathing very heavily claw marks all over his body then you see it as you closely watch him he's carrying the head of a lion on his back our god places us strategically in different places in our life in order to accomplish his perfect plan in our lives sometimes the right place seems to be the wrong place and the right time feels like the wrong time sometimes we see lines cross crossing our path that we thought was god ordained path they cross our paths to destroy us they cross our paths to destroy our families and our children they cross our paths to destroy our church to thwart god's plan in our lives but god has ordained that we face them in genesis we read about the very first born man on this earth cain god goes down and tell him tells him that there is sin waiting at your door crouching at the door like crouching like a lion and its desire is towards you and you must overcome it peter in his epistle is exhorting his still exhorting us that the devil is prowling and prancing like a lion so he can devour god's people devil has only one desire to destroy us destroy god's people destroy god's sheep encountering the lion in the wild is typically a bad thing but finding yourself with a lion in a pit on a snowy day is a terrible horrible bad day but that's what happens sometimes when you are in god's plan because god wants to take us to some level where 
you have to kill a lion your resume has to show that you have killed that lion because you have a better mission waiting for you we don't know the details of the combat this combat but we know one thing when the combat was over the lion was dead and benio was alive now fast forward a few verses i don't want to i don't have the time to read this you know this benaya was made in, to be in charge of the bodyguards of king david number 1 fast forward a few more verses he is commanding one section of david's army because now david is king fast forward a few more verses few more chapters and you see benaya leading the entire army of israel under king solomon you know where it all started on a snowy day in a pit with a lion what would you what do you think will be the highlight of his resume you know he is applying for jobs what do you think will be the highlight of benaya's resume i killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day you know there are two kinds of regrets in human life one is the regrets of action and the theologians uh make it synonymous with sin of commission regrets of action and the other one is regrets of inaction and the theologians call it the sin of omission regrets of action is when we regret over something that we have done something we should not have done we have done this bring a bad taste to our mouth and we regret or we wish we hadn't done it at all we wish we hadn't said it at all we wish we hadn't reacted the way we did at all therefore this happens to all of us right we wish i didn't say that or for a while we feel so terrible when we feel the other party we feel then finally what happens we go we reconcile we ask forgiveness and we move on there is another kind of regret and that's the regret of inaction regretting over something that we wish we had done you can reflect on your own lives when i when you listen to this i know the lord is speaking to somebody here we missed that opportunity we wish we said that we wish we contributed and gave we wish we participated and led we wish we did that we wish we befriended that person we wish we supported that person coming back from work one day i was listening to the news and uh, you know 
It said in, if somebody had, I was not even in this country at that time, in 1975, if somebody had invested $1,000 in Microsoft, it would have been worth several million dollars today. After 21 times splitting, it would have been several millions today. I felt so terrible. Even <laughs> but can't do anything about it. Let me tell you something. 20 years from now, you will be more regretful about things you failed to do today than the ones you did. Our greatest regrets will be our missed opportunities. Do not pass an opportunity that the Lord is giving you today. Spiritual maturity is seeing and ceasing God ordained opportunities. Seeing things like God sees them. Benaiah became the commander-in-chief of the Israeli army. But it all started on that snowy day when everybody judged he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. We all have encountered lions. We all have fallen into some pits. And we all have weathered some snowy days. But we need to learn something from this young man. First of all, lion chasers know that their God is bigger and more powerful than any problem they are facing. A lot of times, your God may not even intervene until all your humanly available resources are exhausted. He will let you do what you can do and what you should do until he shows up. In Judges 7, we read about a young man. His name is Gideon. He's marching against a vast army of the Midianites. He starts out his army with 32,000 people. God looked at him and said, Gideon, this is way too many people. So, he told them, if any of you is scared, of you, if any of you have recently had young children, if you have families, young families, recently married, I'm just expounding on what is written there. If you don't want to come with us, it's okay, go back home. The number went from 32,000 to 10,000. Again, God comes down and tells, hey, this is way too many. We don't need this many. Gideon is thinking, what in the world is God telling me? But he obeyed. He led them to the water. And the ones that lapped water like a dog, he chose. And how many were there? 300. 300 against millions of the odds are like one to a million. The story even gets better. God tells Gideon to fight. The funny thing is, Gideon is not fighting with swords and spears and arrows. He is fighting with 
torches, trumpets, and clay jars. And the story ends by saying, who won the battle? Gideon and his army. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Today is the Resurrection Sunday. The world is celebrating Resurrection Sunday. This is the power that is available to us this morning. The power that is available to our lives is not anything that is comparable in the world. One against a million and the one wins. According to A.W. Tozer, listen to this. The most important thing about you is not what you think about God. I'm sorry. The most important thing about you is what you think about God. It is not what you have done or said. But the most, thing, most important thing about a person is what he conceives about God in the depth of his heart. How you think about God will determine who you become. You are not the product of your nature and your nurture. You are the product of your God picture. The internal picture of God determines how you see everything else. Your decisions are based on your God picture. Your associations are based on your God picture. Your interactions are based on your God picture. Your vocabulary is based on your God picture. Your givings and your takings are based on your God picture. Most of our problems are not circumstantial. Not because we happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. They are perceptual because of the way we see them. In fact, our biggest problem can be traced to our inadequate understanding of our God. Our problems seem so big to us because our God is so small. Most of the time, we reduce our God to the size of a little less than our biggest problem. So we worry, can God do this for me? Listen to this. A low view of God and a profoundly high view of God are the basic differences between a scary cat and a lion chaser. Scary cats are filled with fears because their God is so small. Lion, cha lion chasers trust in the voice of God that tells them my thoughts are, your, are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. The greatest tragedy in life is someone whose God gets smaller and smaller with each passing of the day. We are God's workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them Ephesians 2:10 Now the word prepared there derives from an ancient custom of sending servants ahead of a king going to a foreign place and preparing safe passage for the king but here it says god has prepared you know what that means the king of kings has gone ahead of his servants to prepare way and path safe passage for them psalm 68:7 says when you went out before your people or god when you marched through the wasteland the earth shook the heavens poured down rain before god here is the catch sometimes his itinerary entails passing through marshy lands dry and parched lands coming face to face with a lion in a pit on a snowy day when you find yourself in those circumstances you can rest assured that god is ordering your footsteps in genesis we see a young man whose steps we know were ordained by god but he is going through some of the toughest times a young person can go through though favored by his father joseph was rejected by his brothers he was thrown into a pit he was sold to the slave traders he was taken away from his family to a distant country he served as a slave he was accused falsely of sexual assault he was thrown into the dungeon he was forgotten by his best friend in the prison in whom he confided what a terrible sequence of evil events but joseph refused not even once to compromise and run away from the lion that came against him he knew his steps were ordained by god and it's whom he will trust and we know this how the story ends when you pray what kind of prayer do you pray lion chasers pray second kings records what may be one of the most ridiculous prayers written in scripture a group of prophets were cutting trees one of them had their axe fling into the river it is considered gone right it's an iron head and it's gone and he goes and reports it to the prophet elisha elisha stands as a type of jesus he decides to pray about it that's what it says it is the most impossible thing that could happen but he goes to the lord he goes to elisha does iron float in water not ordinarily but it did here there is only one way to find out pray that ridiculous prayer 
when your wisdom tells you not to pray, when your closest friend tells you it doesn't really work here, when the doctor tells you it is way beyond healing range, pray that ridiculous prayer because your God is in control of your steps. Hallelujah. A miracle there. A miracle to the rescue of a poor man whose axe was lost. You know, to me, the biggest thing is not that he lost. It was a miracle. This miracle is not a life under situation. The man lost his axe. Big deal. Go get another one. Right? You know, our God is not just good for our big things. He is a God who comes even for our little things. Our God is a great God because nothing is too big for him. You know what? He's a great God because nothing is too small also for him. I sometimes wonder why Jesus did his first miracle in Cana in that wedding feast. What was a big deal? He made wine. He was making a grand entry into the ministry and why didn't he come out raising the dead? Don't you think that would have made into the in the Jerusalem Chronicles and Bethlehem Chronicles and Cana times and all. Somebody died and this guy came and touched and healed him and raised him. Why did he do that? For my Jesus, the embarrassment of the young couple was as important as the agony of that widow whose son was lost. And the agony of those two sisters whose brother were, died. I want to tell you a personal experience. 20 some years ago, we, my family, we were traveling out of state to attend a function. And halfway through the uh, trip, my wife is with me, and uh, this was before Becky's time. Asha and Anita, they were in the back. And my wife realizes that, this, that the footwear she's wearing is her house slippers. She's all dressed up in silk sari and all, but it's dirty. You know, that sponge-like slippers that you wear inside the house? That's what she's wearing. As such, we were late. We were almost 20 miles away from here. And we were not living here then. I was angry. My wife was crying. I said, no matter what, we are not going back. You wear what you have. You know, sometimes, you know, we reached there. This was, you know, I don't know how many of you know our, my mother-in-law. One of the sweetest people that lived on the face of earth. We get out in that place, in that parking lot, and I hear this call from behind. My mother-in-law, my wife's mother was here at that time. Mone, Mone, 
she's calling me. So I look back and says, this is my mother-in-law. She has a brown bag with her. With her. And you know what she said? This is for Susama. I brought it. We didn't know what it was. You know what it was? It was a pair of slippers. She brought it from India. Matching the sari she was wearing. You think your God is good only for your big things? He interests, he's interested in everything about you. And she's my witness. A cardinal mistake that we make is we think of our God in four dimensions only. Length, height, width, and time. You cannot limit this God in human dimensions. Again, how you think of your God will decide who you become. The more you know about your God, the bigger should your God become. The bigger our God, the tinier our lions become. Pause for a moment. Don't need to raise your hands. Tell me. Tell yourself how big is your God. Many a time for us to experience this God, we need to unlearn a lot of things that we have learned. You know, there's this crippled man in John 5 and I'm almost at the end of time, but not necessarily at the end of my message, but I'll try to wrap it up quick. In John 5, he's lying 38 years a cripple. Jesus is walking to him, do you want to be healed? But he has learned one thing, that for him to be healed, there's only one thing that needs to be done, and somebody has to help him into the pool. Jesus reprograms him. Rewires his brain. Do you want to be healed? Pick up your sleeping mat. Rise up. And walk. Hallelujah. One of the problems that we have today is that we expect God to do in a certain way. Hallelujah. Lion chasers are fearless. Satan wants to keep us under the bondage of fear. We must remember that there is only one God-ordained fear that we must have, and that is the fear of God. The devil will bring our past mistakes and make us lose our courage, and that the devil will make you aware of your limitations and make you be afraid. Discouragement and fear. 
but courage is looking beyond your circumstances that's what landed daniel in the lions den looking beyond that's what made esther defy the royal protocol when she approached the king without being summoned that's what the three hebrew boys did when they refused to compromise and bow down before the idol and that's what jesus did on the cross when he looked eyeball to eyeball to satan and gave himself as in exchange for your sin and my sin that's defiant that's courageous that's fearless it's so easy to read i'm going to finish in 5 minutes it's so easy to read about a lion encounter 3000 years ago and totally ignore the emotional trauma associated with that sure benaya killed the lion but not before it scared the living daylight out of him he smelled the bloody breath he could feel the scratchings of the lion's sharp nails on his body he was only inches away from the thunderous roar of the lion's open throat it was pure fear but pure, it is not the scare that turns him away from the lion it's a fear in the combat but let me ask you something for us also is in the same way why do we go to theme parks i'm going to finish why do we go to theme parks why do we pay our hard earned money to go on the cyclone that the big drop because we like it right we like that moment of fear so that when we go out that's what we will be talking we won't be talking about the mcdonalds that we ate in there we won't be talking about the fries that we were munching on in the park we'll be talking about that scary rides myself and asha used to go there you know when she was small my goodness she wanted to go on every ride in the world and she took me along david has a soft corner for this guy benaya you know why he had something similar in his resume david was a man of prayer he prayed for his family he prayed for his safety he prayed for the safety of his uh, of his sheep and the protection of his sheep every day he prayed one day you know what he saw he saw a lion coming towards the sheep did he pray yes he did he opened his eyes and he see a lion ready to catch his sheep was filled with the power of god and tore the lion i don't know how he killed but he tore or used his usual weapon the slingshot but he killed the lion he killed the bear you pray about your children you pray about your family 
and you open, you pray about your church and you open your eyes after your prayer and you see the lion ready to kill grab and drag your children away your family away this is the time for lion chasers don't walk away don't walk away because you see something is happening this is the time of action god is calling for lion chasers god is calling to anoint some as lion chasers for the sake of the family for the sake of this church for the sake of this nation god wants why our young people should go out and become lion chasers in the society don't be satisfied by becoming doctors and dentists and engineers and lawyers go out and make a difference kill the lion that is trying to grab this people in this country be people of power and authority i'm going to stop let me tell you something the regrets that you will always have in your life will be the regrets about the ones that you have missed the opportunities that you have missed you have deliberately walked away from opportunities they are never going to come back young people with all respect to you all love to you let me tell you rise up as a generation of lion chasers the lion has one and one purpose only to destroy god's people hallelujah Are you facing a lion today? Ask for the spirit of God to fill you. What is your perception of God today? How big is your God? Hallelujah. Do you limit God by the way you pray? Are you willing this afternoon to submit to the will of god to be anointed to grab the opportunity to seize the moment and to be a valiant warrior to add something so important in your resume may the lord bless you may the lord anoint you may the lord give you the power to to destroy the lions that cross your paths